What up, y'all? DMVR Draft Pod presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download it today. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. We are back. I'm Justin Michael. I'm with Dre. We're talking meat and potatoes today. I'm talking O-line trench play. We're going to get into Dre's favorite offensive tackles. We're going to talk about a couple of these guys, whether they're uh, best suited to play on the outside or maybe slide on into the interior. We'll get into some draft props. There's all kinds of stuff we can get into. And of course, we'll talk about who will be the best fit here in Denver. Before we get into everything, Dre, my guy, how's it going? It's it's been a couple of weeks because we've had kind of schedules that have been not working at the same time of late. That's what happens when you've got spring football and playoffs and everything else going on. But That's right. it's good to see your face, man. You too, my brother. You too. We missed you on the wide receiver episode. That's been a blast. Um, and no, I know you're always on that grind. We shouted you out. Just some amazing old-timey football um, look all with the fog on the field at that Ram spring game. That was incredible. Um, so no, it's uh it's a great time and a little bittersweet because it's our final position preview. The draft is truly here. Yesterday we were a week out, now less than a week. Hard to believe, but it is here. It's one of those that's always bittersweet because it's just such a process, like getting prepared for it all. And then even consuming the draft is a grind just because of how long it is. But then when it's done, you're like, wait, now what do I do? But fortunately, if you're a nerd like us, it's just like, all right, guess I'm going to move on to 2024 and 2025. Caleb Williams, here I come. Yes, I've already started those rankings, and 2024 would have QB1, tight end one, and wide receiver one in this class. Probably offensive tackle one, too. It's going to be a really exciting year for college football. Just the amount of talent that is, is staying in school because of NIL. It's, it's making mm-hmm. the product better in terms of the amount of quality players sticking around. I think it's going to elevate the gameplay. I think there's going to be a lot of really good teams this year, with experienced quarterbacks and dynamic offenses. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, obviously, a lot of hype in, in Boulder with what's happening there. Their spring game Saturday, as is the spring game that I'll be covering in Fort Collins for CSU. Rams are going to be tough, folks. I'm just saying, don't be surprised when they give the bus a game. But let's uh, let's get into the the offensive line stuff because I could. I could ramble on and on about how excited I am for the future of college football, but we got to get into this because I think it's a really interesting class with some guys that like, I don't think there's a a top five offensive tackle this year, a guy you just like, Mm -hmm. you know, bet the franchise on, but there's a lot of guys that you would feel really solid about and could probably play pretty early. Yeah, <clears throat> it's a weird class because I'm not sure it's necessarily getting its just dues. Um, in typical years, a lot of the top guys, there's always one that's length deficient. This year, we do have one big one in uh, Peter Skaronsky, which is a really fun debate. Um, a Bryce Young type outlier for how short his arms are for a top tackle. But yeah, we don't have that. Evan Neal, um, that guy that's being hyped up as a set-and-forget top offensive tackle, and yet these resumes are stellar. Broderick Jones, amazing length, amazing athleticism, tremendous resume, 
at Georgia as their left tackle. Paris Johnson Jr. Mahler as a right guard makes that rare transition to left tackle. I mean, length for days, athletic as all be. He's got just upside. That's incredible. Antonio Harrison out of Oklahoma does not get talked enough. This is a two-plus-year starter at left tackle for the Sooners, and he just looks the part. You might have thought he would have measured in just a little uh, shorter length. He does not. Um, Darnell Wright had just an amazing season at right tackle. DeWad Jones is a, is a true specimen at the position. A lot of these guys tested really well, including guys like Jalen Duncan, Blake Freeland out of BYU, Braden Daniels, Ryan Hayes, who's had a very long and successful career at Michigan. Um, so I think it's one of the better tackles we've seen in a long while. It might be a little more top heavy, but you've kind of got you you've got guys that can fill needs for all flavors. You know, you need that true dancing bear left tackle. We got you. You need that mauling right tackle. We got you. You need the underperforming or the, you know, more diamond in the rough, solid long-term starter with some deceptive athleticism. We got you. You need the developmental tackle. We got you. Um, so yeah, I just, um, I think in a year where, there's a lot of classes like edge wide receiver that are a little sexier and we're kind of like, eh, eh, like buyer beware. This is a really nice tackle with some huge upside. Um, and honestly, I have, gosh, I think four or five guys who I feel like are actual NFL left tackles. And usually that number is closer to like two or three. That's what I mean. I don't know if the flash is necessarily there where it's just no. like that, you know, true. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we landed this guy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you should be satisfied if you land. I mean, you just went through, I think, seven different guys that all could be right. first round type um, talents in the right situation. So let's let's just get into it. You know, if, if I was holding a knife to your back, Oof. you got to pick one of these guys. Who's your ta- oh, offensive tackle one? Man, I've gone back and forth on this because it is that type of class. Um, While you kind of love the upside on all of them, who's the real pound your table? And it's it's really neck and neck for Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, Broderick has a bit more... Like, so Paris is bigger um, and sometimes will look just a smidge more sloppy. And big guys have that tendency. It was like their limbs just aren't all connected and in sync. Like, you know, so like things will be a smidge out of sync as they move from one direction to the other, uh, trying to mirror with these quick twitch edges. Um, and yet, like it's his first year starting at left tackle, making that transition from the right side. So, you know, opposite footwork. We always hear about how hard that transition is. Um, and, and Gosh, so Paris, Paris's backup plan, his floor might be higher than Broderick's because Paris's floor might be a really, really, really good right guard. Uh, Broderick Jones fits power system, fits a uh, wide zone, that kind of system. Get him out in space. He's insanely good. Um, and the upside balance, you know, he has over 34-inch arms. It just all takes a smidge more up to where his ankle anchor plays better as well. Um, 
Broderick's got this thing where he'll he'll bend a little too much, reach a little too much. Uh, he's got to clean that up. But like his worst tapes against LSU and BJ Ojolari gets him twice on a couple pressures. And then, dude, he comes right back and has like an insane series where he gets out in space and like bulls guys over. Like he is, the sky's the limit for Broderick. Sky is the limit. Um, and Paris, like, you know, he's he's more of maybe a, a smidge more developmental, but God, he really showed me something in against Georgia in that national semi. One of their bigger guys gets him on the inside shoulder a couple times in the first half. And that's where his he's so long and you know, like it, it can be he's he's fine-tuning his hands. It can be a little easy to get into his chest and find the quicker route to the quarterback through the inside. But then in the second half, he turns it up, has some really amazing run blocks where he's just bearing dudes. And he's doing this against Georgia, man. And he's doing it at the time where Ohio State needs him the most because those wide receivers were falling like flies. Both these guys are fringe top 10 talents to me. And the upside is significant. Very, very high upside at like arguably the second most valuable position in all football. Broderick to me is more intimidating when he's coming downhill. Oh, like, you know, yeah. I just watching Georgia last year, I think you could really, I mean, there were moments where I would find myself just not even really watching what was happening in the backfield. I just wanted to watch him maul dudes at the second level. His ability to get through that first block and then also get to the linebacker at his size is pretty freaking impressive, especially when you're, you know, moving laterally at, at that size. I like Paris Johnson a lot too. I, I think the positional versatility is a big selling point for him. As you mentioned, worst case, you just slide him over to guard and he's going to be competent there. Do you feel better about him playing tackle than you did about, say, uh, what's his face, uh, Slater that went to the Chargers a couple years back at a Northwestern? Oh, it's so interesting because it's really, um, that's a great question because they're, they're such like opposite profiles, you know, Slater, we really had those concerns on the length Paris Johnson's like, God, he's got some extra length to spare. Um, and so the upside's better. Yeah. I mean, ultimately because the ceiling is higher. Yeah. He's ranked higher, but Slater's had a hell of a career and was, was just more technically sound, way more refined. Um, and that's, that's going to be the question on Paris is can, can we get him there? He's also, he's going to be, he's a better fit in a power scheme, I think. Um, and yeah, he's just going to need a, an O-line coach that gets after it and really develops him <laughs> because he, he moves like a dancing bear, but he is so long and big. We, you almost should think of him as more of a Mackay Becton Orlando uh, Brown type guy. Like he, he isn't quite that big, but he is that type of outlier as far as size. Um, and that Jesus, that gives you so much upside, man. Crazy upside. So where would you go next then? Would are you uh, big on Darnell Wright? Tennessee would probably be my third if if I was making a top five. And then where are you at on Skaronsky? Is he a tackle or is he a guard? Man, so Skaronsky, the best example I can use is um the Michigan tape from a year ago, easily against the best combo of edge rushers he's gonna face in his career, Aiden Hutchinson, Ojabo. Um, one of the best combos we saw in many years in college football. 
Um, and, you know, he's he has an amazing career. He takes over for Slater in that 2020 COVID season. Slater declares early, doesn't even play. Set and forget, starting left tackle at Northwestern. Amazing career, super technical. And against Aiden Hutchinson, he was amazing. And that's the thing about Skaronsky is length and strength, even though he is super length deficient, under 33-inch arms, usually for NFL offensive tackles, are... Mendoza line is 34 inch arms, 33 and three quarters. You know, we can, we can accept it. And lately the NFL has seemed to be more accepting guys like Slater, Isaiah Wynn. Um, I'm forgetting a couple other good examples, just slightly under, and we've still let them play tackle and it's worked, but they had significantly more length with Skaronsky. What's amazing about Skaronsky is he's such a technician. His footwork is so great. He can anticipate like a judo fighter or a bullfighter um, where defenses, bless you, defensive linemen, pass rushers are going to go on him and he can almost like let your momentum work against you. And with power and strength, like Aiden Hutchinson, it almost doesn't matter because you get into his chest. His hands are so strong. He's so technically sound. He doesn't give a shit you got into his chest. It's like, okay, now I got you. Now you're in my grip and you're in trouble. Ojabo's who gave him trouble. Bendy and length. That's where he, our old conversation about margins that applies to every single position, that's where he's lacking some of the margins to make up for that, um, despite being a really good athlete. Part of me thinks, look, he can do it against Aiden Hutchinson. He can do it against the Big Ten's best. Ojabo aside, you could try him at at tackle, and his ceiling's going to be at best like the 15th best offensive tackle in the NFL. Best case scenario. And I think he'd also be particular to like a zone scheme where you've got to move him more laterally, and you can you can sacrifice some of the length because he makes up with it with some deceptive athleticism and technique. More likely than not, he's got to be converted to guard. Where he could be Zach Martin, he could be Brandon Sheriff, he could be one of the tippy-top guards. He's only played tackle in college. So we all act like, oh, he's got versatility for days, he could play all over the O-line. That's all supp- supposition. Um, but also I, probably at a necessity. Like, would he right, be a tackle at right. most Big Ten schools? Probably not, but he's at Northwestern. Great point. That's a great point right there. Um, and the other thing is I don't see him as necessarily a natural like right guard in a power scheme where it's like, oh, yeah, we're running behind that guy 30 times a, a game, you know, uh, center he would be a weird adaptation to me. You're basically looking at a left guard, which is exactly what Zach Martin did. And I think as far as left guards go, he could potentially be one. I mean, he's already lining up to be one of the highest guards I've ever had because I really, really love the kid. I love the tape. I love how technically sound he is, but he's not perfect. No offensive lineman's perfect. You could say the same about Darnell Wright, who just last 12 months, no one's stock has risen higher than this kid. Holy shit. I mean, the the tape at against Bama that he has is at times mesmerizing. It is insane to watch him just flawlessly. Oh, I mean, just flawlessly bowling over Will Anderson, handling any pass rushers they sent his way, strength, size. He's a he's a tone setting offensive lineman who did 
good at the combine senior bowl very well will mcdonald's the only guy that gave him trouble aside from that he was like flawless um and he has experience playing left tackle now that's the season uh last year two years ago where you're gonna be like eh. so he's probably right tackle only which fits into what he does i think this is a top 15 talent i mean this is a tone setting type of pick um uh, I, yeah, I love the kid. He's similar to Kenyon Green, the guard out of Texas A&M. He's a first-off-the-bus, tone-setting type of offensive lineman. Yeah, he's not your franchise left tackle, but he's a guy who's going to give that front an identity, who when push comes to shove and you're in the trenches, you can say, all right, call that play where we run to the strong side because Darnell's going to seal this and allow us to convert this third and three, you know? Um He's he's fucking awesome, dude. He's an ass kicker. I love that. I love that description. And not only is he the first guy off the bus, the guy you send out to the coin toss to intimidate, but he actually backs it up. Like a lot of times, oh, that's yeah. just the big lump that doesn't actually do anything. Correct. It's all yes, just all. Oh, did you see that fucking guy that got off the bus? Like, oh my god. Right. No, he he backs it up. His stock has risen as much as probably Jackson Kirkland's has dipped in the last year. Like, I mean, yes. he, you know, he's a guy coming into the year. I think everybody felt pretty good about him. I'm not saying they thought he was going to be the top tackle, but he is just continually dipped throughout this process. Yeah. I love, right. I, I'm right there with you. I think he's a right yep. tackle. I don't see him being a left tackle at the NFL level, but yep. I think he could be a day one starter and a guy that you're not going to end up with in Denver, but I wish that he, that he could. Absolutely. He is a Sean Payton player through and through. There are a couple guys here. And yes, if the Broncos still had that ninth pick or the fifth pick, fifth pick, probably too rich. Um, but, you know, had a, a pick in the second half of the first round, we would definitely be talking about Darnell, right? Um, so that's my top three. But honestly, I think Anton Harrison whose scouting report is not that far off. Broderick Jones, very balanced, compact frame, brings some power, has some nastiness, really did well against Felix, um, FAU, the amazing edge rusher from Kansas State. And, you know, despite a really tough season for that Oklahoma offense, did his thing, man. And, like, when put more in motion and on the move um, at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley in years prior looked good. I just think this is a, a phenomenal offensive tackle prospect. There are plenty of years where he would be much more of a contender to be the top spot. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think you should expect him to fall much very far out of like the top 20. We're going to get into draft props at the end, but just off the top of your head here, how many of these tackles do you expect to go in the first round? Because we're already at four, five if you count Skaronski, who's going to go? Four are set and forgets. The DraftKings prop on offensive linemen set at five and a half, and I think there's like very little juice on the over. It's like minus 200. As far as tackles specifically, let's keep Skaronski out of it. Four are locks, and I think... Blake Freeland, who I don't get why anyone's not talking about him out of BYU. He's only 21, Justin. He's not that yeah, the BYU. Rare young prospect yes. coming out of BYU. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Usually you'd be like, well, Dre, he's 
He's 32. So uh, he has four kids in two houses already. There's no chance, man. Exactly. Actually, their right tackle might be a a big time prospect next year. And he's got he's got like a hyphenated um, Samoan name. Dude, there's that Ohio State pass rusher with the Samoan name. I'm in such trouble with next year's class with these <laughs> names. But let's take the Blake Freeland, who I can handle. Uh, tests really well. Is he really... five? Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just no, no, no. Clarify. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think the upside is not that far off these other guys. Kind of has a big year this year, has some raw traits, needs to add some strength. But he's got some nastiness to him. I put a gif out of like a double block he does in space. I forget against who. It might be Notre Dame. That is just like vicious. Test out of the um, gym just barely uh, has the arm length that we require out of him. I'm actually confirming the Yeah, just, just barely under 34. Um, and he's really long and he's got some nastiness. I think this guy's a top 35 prospect in this class, you know, because again, how many dudes do you really have that truly profile as left tackles? I've heard a Colton Miller, uh, comp for him. I think that's phenomenal. I like him better than I did Colton Miller coming out. Um, so yeah, he's my five. And then just a little further down Dewa Jones, very Orlando Brown esque mountain of a man. I was going to say, he's a big mofo. Oh, as big as they come. Um, But not like that Minnesota kid that was like 400 pounds a year ago. And it's like, look, the dude's just too big. Um, His size is an asset. He's very Orlando Brown-esque. It's not always going to look pretty, but he is so long. He's really hard to get by. Um, Obviously, power only. Obviously, you will be limited if you want to scheme where you want to move your right tackle in space much. He's not going to do that. But um, And then Jalen Duncan out of Maryland has to be talked about. I think this is a top 50 prospect. Ups and downs, but as his best, this is a dancing bear with some really, really nice pass pro skills um, and not as stiff as a run blocker either. And Maryland's kind of a tough spot to be an offensive tackle because you have a quarterback that runs around a lot, so it's not like a clean pocket. Great you point. don't have a ton of talent next to you, so you're not super yeah. competent. Like he's on an island quite a bit. Yep, yep. And actually, he's dropped just a little because his arm length was just under. But um, like a zone scheme, I think he'd be fantastic. I like him, and every single guy I named um, is like 21. So it's it's a younger class. It's nice. Actually, Jalen Duncan's 22, but he's under 23 years old. It's a young class, I'm telling you. There's a lot of upside in these guys. After that, we're probably talking about more swing tackle prospects. You mentioned Jackson Kirkland. Don't think it's going to work out for him. Nick Saldaveri out of Old Dominion's a fun name to keep an eye on. Tyler Steen, the rare Alabama offensive tackle that's not going to be a high pick. Um Braden Daniels, very kind of light in the pants, scheme specific, but great athlete, great left tackle out of Utah. Uh, he's just not going to fit all all uh, all schemes. And Asim Richards out of North Carolina, Ryan Hayes out of Michigan, both solid pros who who will will be on NFL rosters for uh, um, several years. That over under, you said five and a half tackles from DraftKings, offensive lineman. Offensive, oh, okay. Offensive line, yeah, that's 
That's a gimme. Make sure you get that in. Maybe you throw that in a parlay and try and juice it with something else, like a, a hockey parlay or something. Um, whatever you're amazing. doing, guys, make sure you're doing it with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's the NBA playoff time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. If you're a new customer, you can make a $5 pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. On top of that, everyone can score a no-sweat SGP every game during the playoffs. All you got to do, open the app, opt in, place the same game parlay on any NBA team. If your bet doesn't hit, you're going to get a bonus bet back up to $10. That's sweet shot at redemption. That's that's what we love about DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm. I like to imagine like placing a $10 bet that doesn't hit at an old school Vegas sports book and being like, can I have a second shot at this? They would laugh me out of the building. That's why technology <laughs> so is great. I don't even have to leave. They're giving me a second shot. That's what it's all about. Download the app now. Sign up with the code DNVR. New customers can make a $5 pregame money line bet. Score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. With the code DNVR, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 800-327-5050 or visit Gambling Help MA or Gambling Helpline MA.org. In New York, call 878-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 and older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Oh my goodness. See DraftKings.com <laughs> slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And, uh, you know, it's that time of year where we really look forward. Anything could happen for our football teams. Justin, Jake, Rams, Buffs, they're looking at them. The future is so bright. Broncos, this draft, the future is so bright. You got to wear your shades. Beautiful Mile High City where things are warming up. Thank you. Thank you. And Shady Rays has you covered because they are an independent sunglass company that offers world-class product, just like the expensive designer pair. But these are durable frames with great lenses at really a fraction of that price. And if that wasn't enough right now, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season Go to ShadyRays.com and use code DNVR for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it for yourself. We all love it. We all rock our Shady Ray shades all the time. I have three pairs right now. Love each one more than the other. Um, They're just great quality. I'm not worried about breaking them. Also, because they've got this amazing return policy. If you lose or break them where they've got you covered, they've got great cases. Great different styles. And again, the lenses, um, you know, there's a difference between those $10 uh, gas station shades and some actual real shades that have some longevity to them. And that's what Shady Rays does as a, at a fraction of that price. And then you get another fraction of that price when you use that code DNVR at ShadyRays.com for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Then they'll they'll give you some more offers on top of that. Great deals all around. Check them out. Boom. Love it. Love the shady rays. Can't see the haters when you've got your shady rays on. Let's talk about the interior offensive linemen. I think, you know, tackles are always going to be a little bit 
sexier in terms of the draft evaluation process, just because it's a little easier to see guards kind of get lost in the shuffle sometimes. But as a, as a guy that firsthand got to watch both the Broncos and CSU, who really struggled with Oof. their interior offensive linemen last year, yeah. it's important. If your quarterback's getting blown up in the face, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> you want to start with the guards? You want to start with the centers? Where are we at? Let's go center um, because I think it's a center class that's pretty damn good, pretty deep. A lot of guys with some extraordinarily impressive resumes. Guard class, a little more hit or miss. Um, Of course, so much of that depends on how many of the offensive tackles that maybe other podcasts would have mentioned but I'm waiting to mention on this segment of the show. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a it's an okay offensive guard class. There's not that high-end standout that you have some years, like Kenyon Green. No I mentioned. Right. Um, though again, Skaronsky, if he is a guard, and I think we both fall more in the he's a guard camp would be one of my higher graded guard prospects ever. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, but we did, we got into Skaronsky already. Um, we, we scroll down to the second round grades on my big board where you have Osiris Torrance, the Louisiana Lafayette transfer who goes to Florida and has a spectacular season. Um, senior bowl guy as well, if I'm not mistaken, look good. Power, power, power. A lean on you um, and put the hurt on you. He's just something else, man. Um, he, he's uh, he, he's fantastic. So he's he's only going to be a power guy. You're not going to move him a ton. His it's not like a lean frame. Um, but if like the Broncos, you're paying a guy like Ben Powers lots of money. Osiris Torrance would be a guy you'd be very interested in. He would definitely be a guy we would be talking about if the Broncos still had their second round pick. Um, he screams Sean Payton. And um, yeah, so he's he's really nice, efficient, great season, strong, long. Um, and yeah, we'll just lean on you and uproot you. My second best interior offensive lineman's the Michigan center who I would argue last year was the most valuable offensive lineman in the country, at least interior offensive lineman, just a mauler in the run game, um, built, you know, built like a center, like a six, two, 300 pounds. It's kind of good luck, like winning the leverage battle with that dude. And just like he, he gets it done. Um, in my evaluations, especially at center more so than just the interior offensive line in general. I think I over, I gave too much importance in like the one-on-ones at the senior bowl and having more traits to handle one-on-one matchups and pass pro because ultimately as a center, you have the luxury of doing a lot of double teams. You're just not going to face a ton of single um, ups. And that's where a guy like Oluwatimi if you think of him as a center who just does center things, just open up holes up the middle of the defense, double team smart, wins leverage battles, is going to be great double teaming guys and helping you out in pass pro, then he's phenomenal. Um, but really, Torrance is the only guy at, other than Skaronsky who to me is is a, a solid top 50 pick. 
and Torrance is more in the in the forties on my board. Anybody else you could see flirting with that top fifty range on the interior? Yeah, um, Joe Tipman, long, tall center out of Wisconsin. His tape is awesome. Moves really well. Good athlete. Even though we don't have any testing numbers on him, and what I love is he. Sometimes you can get under his pads a little bit, um, but he'll anchor real quick. Those hips are real swift, and he'll just use that height to get back on top and just like arch his back and twist his hips and just bury guys like that. Tipman's really fun, and John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. That is a really nice resume. Um, and a guy who moving east west laterally in the run game, smart as hell good measurables and size. Um, these are solid pros. These are all guys who are right there. Second, third round grades. Uh, you project uh, in their rookie contract, they will be starting for you on the interior and, uh, and be solid pros for you. But you know, those are all centers. And I think Tipman more than anyone has a chance to slip into the, Late first, there's a lot of love for Steve Avia out of TCU. How could you not? Um, TCU's O-line and season were amazing. Consensus All-American, captain of the team. Watch the Georgia tape. Even though they're getting blown out by 45 or whatever it is, he's still playing his ass off till the very end. Um, Mahler profile that's going to read similar to Torrance. He just... He's not always picking guys up, sustaining blocks. I, I have some questions. I think people are the the late first would be quite rich for me for him. Um, Matthew Bergeron, the left tackle out of Syracuse, is going to get some hype. Bit of a poor man, Skaronsky. Miles Murphy gave him a like fucking nightmare first couple series, like sack, sack, pressure, pressure. Um, but outside of that, like zone scheme, he, he could be a good little guard. Um, and lots of hype for Chandler's of all out of NC state, big mauler who tested really well, um, at the combine. Out of these guys, who would be high on your wish list in terms of the, the Broncos draft priority? Obviously you're not going to be able to land any of these top guys that are going to go, but out of these interior linemen, who would be worth targeting potentially in the third round if you're the Broncos? Man, the third round one is a really interesting question because like Zavala, who I just mentioned, I think would be around. Would it be too rich for me at that point when maybe I'd rather an interior defensive lineman or edge or wide receiver corner, you know? Um, as much as I love Oluwatimi, I guess Oluwatimi is a guy, Tipman, our guys, I would be okay with using pick 67, 68 on that I think especially Oluwatimi could still be available and could plausibly be an upgrade to Lloyd Cushenberry. I was going to um, say, I mean, it's not like Cush has exactly, you know, inspired confidence that the future is his or anything. I know at this point it's it's his position to lose, but... It certainly feels like a position you could afford to to bring some competition in. Dude, I mean, let's just face it. It's been brutal. I really liked Kush coming out of college. He's the center to we one all of the, did. the arguably the greatest college offense I've ever seen over the last 20 years. It's certainly 
on that very, very short list. Joe, now I talked about this when I was on the Broncos podcast with Zach a couple weeks back. Joe Brady connection. Remember Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, coordinates that offense. He's a Sean Payton disciple. That's where Lloyd Cushenberry looked his best. Cush has the athleticism length, so smart. He graduates early that he can make it to the senior bowl. He's a team captain, and they gave him the, what is it, the 18 jersey. That's a big deal at LSU. Like, God, his resume was amazing. It hasn't worked out. You got to look at alternatives. And I don't think Kush is necessarily that power imposing center that um, Sean Payton's looking for. Now, I'd get greedy more so than using one of those thirds. I think you might be able to wait for the early fourth where Jared Patterson, longtime center, then left guard last year at Notre Dame, has length, um, could be a nice Luke Whipler. More of a smaller ass kicker a la Oluwati. He's the center at Ohio State. Don't love him as much. John Gaines, right guard at UCLA. A little high-waisted, but super athlete. Tested out of um, the gym. And, you know, that UCLA offense has been awesome. Uh, They run some pro style. Chip Kelly's moving those guys east and west on poles misdirection. Um, UT Chattanooga is another guard that's got some beef behind him. Cody Mock, we haven't talked about him out of North Dakota State. Don't love him as a left tackle. Thought at the senior bowl, he looks sloppy. He'd be a decent guard prospect, though, you know, from the third on. I wouldn't love him at 67, 68, but like early fourth, these are all names I would consider. And I think mostly fit that power scheme we should see under Sean Payton. Is there anybody at tackle that you would like to prioritize in that range that we didn't mention? I mean, I would love if Jalen Duncan fell. Blake Freeland would be an absolute dream because I I apparently am higher on him than most. That's about it, though. Um, that's about it. I'm but buying that Blake Freeland stock. I'm I'm gonna say it. he's gonna go top forty because somebody else see it. A hundred percent. It's what I want to get to in the next segment. Because there's always that guy that surprises us. There's always that Cole Strange. And I think the O-line classes, both tackle and interior that we just talked about, would have some very intriguing candidates. Well, when you're watching the draft, when you're sitting back on your couch, maybe you're out at the DNVR bar, get an ice-cold Breck Brew while you're watching because, let's face it, Breck Brew makes any situation better. They've been doing it for 32 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. It's made with 100% renewable energy. We stay in a globally conscious company. And what I love about Breck is that they just have an endless variety. They're going to have something for your dad. You can just go uh, classic avalanche amber ale. It's going to hit every time. It's crisp. It, pa- it pairs perfectly with a burger or you know, just sitting by yourself. They recently dropped a new summer shandy. Oh, it's so good. Not as sweet as some of the other ones on the market, but still has that nice crisp lemon taste. It it just hits so perfectly, especially as it gets hotter. Uh, Jake loves Mountain Beach, as do I. Whatever your poison, check it out at the Breck Beer locator at breckbrew.com. Find a Breck Brew near you. And of course, we are all hyped for some spring football, some NFL draft, but what we really are loving are these Nuggets and Avs runs. Man! Avs dominated those last two periods. Still had to sweat that out. My God, that was rough. Um, but I'm hyped. I think they'll 
they'll put it on them in Seattle. And like enough with all these RSNs and blackouts, Fubo TV has you covered. So you never have to worry about any of that BS again while watching our teams go on these historic runs. More than 140 plus live channels of sports, shows, movies, and news, including Altitude for you, which is huge. You'll be able to watch CU's spring game on ESPN. I mean, draft heads, our kind of people will definitely be excited for that. You get to watch the Rapids as well. NFL Draft on ESPN and NFL Network. All of that available to you on Fubo TV. Geez, right now might be the perfect time to start watching and get a seven-day free trial. That would be criminal to get all these playoff games and the draft and some spring football all in for free the next seven days. And the beauty is also there's no uh, no contracts, no cable, no hassle, just an, the Wi-Fi connection you have through your smart TV, sign up like that, cancel like that. Who cares? You're not a, you're not a, you're going to be hiking all summer. You just want it for nugs and abs. Great. Watch nugs and abs. Season's over. Cancel it. Boom. See you. See you in the fall. fall. Yeah. That easy. Watch the nuggets and abs playoff run on altitude and ABC with Fubo TV. Go to www.fubotv.com slash DNVR. Fubotv.com slash DNVR to sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. We also love the presenting sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook. Y'all yes. know that. There's yes. endless props on there. It makes the draft a lot. It just makes it a lot more fun. I'll be honest. There was a about a three-week period there where I was mm. slightly confused because after months and months and months of all the Bryce Young hype that we could get, his his stock dipped really yep. surprisingly and it went back to plus odds. And there was a part of me that was like, you know, Justin, that's how it goes. This is like the Jokic MVP bet. You're just going to have to take <laughs> your lumps yeah. on it. But I doubled down and I got back in on it. Let's so now I have multiple go. bets on Bryce Young to be the number one overall pick. He is currently the overwhelming favorite Dude. to be the top pick. What is change? Like, what is this just because we get bored and we needed a flavor of the month for a little bit? Or I, I just don't really understand the movement. It's Mac Jones, Trey Lance after the Niners traded up to three basically all over again. Um, and it's a new front office. And so while everyone had their different sources within that, I think it still was unclear who would be the loudest voice in the room and who would get their way. Um, And whether it was one voice uh, kind of dominating over another and getting their say final call on Bryce Young or more of a consensus decision, this is what happened. And now the latest cycle, Justin, has been trash CJ Stroud. So that's been a fun new development, huh? That one makes me wonder if it's coming from somebody hoping that he falls. Like if you have, you're the Raiders or something like that, and you're hoping that he dips, you're going to float all this information being, Oh, I don't, I don't know if he processes well enough. Oh, his cognitive score was this or that, you know, only the 18th percentile or whatever it was, (laughs) some new test that I'd never even heard of before, but I don't know. It's, I still think he's 
clear cut QB two for me. I, I think no it'd doubt. Be dumb to take Levis or, or Richardson over him, but it is weird how this has all played out. And that's one of those situations where you have to be asking yourself who stands to benefit from, from him falling. And it's one of these teams. Absolutely. Colts first and foremost of all of those, because to me there is, yeah, it's a massive dip. It's a massive dip. As much as we can talk ourselves into a riches upside or what have you, it is a ginormous dip. Uh, And man, like, these DraftKings props are amazing because it it just makes me feel like there's so much more than just a classic mock, you know, looking at these odds, like the number three pick odds. CJ Strout has the shortest odds at plus 200. So the book's telling you it's Bryce, Will Anderson, and then someone trading up to three to take CJ Strout. Number four, Will Levis is only plus 100 to be the pick there which is insane. The book's telling you that's he won't that's be there, the right? Levis pick, right? Yeah. Which is why I think, honestly, pick number three, Will Levis plus 700 is more intriguing because I think the Colts might be forced into trading up if that's really their guy. And also we've seen a couple weeks ago and for like a month, Anthony Richardson in the draft matchup section, Richardson to go ahead of Levis was like minus 400 for Richardson. Now Levis is minus 300 to go ahead of Richardson. We basically went right back to where we were three months ago. I mean, and that's the thing. And I had uh, Jake on bets yesterday in the second segment. We got into some props. And we were talking about like make bets to where your mock draft needs to look like you made it in November 2022. And it's like, yeah, that's that's right. That is how these drafts usually play out. Like the at number six, the Lions to pick Devin Witherspoon's minus one thirty. Bijan's also the shortest odds to go eighth overall, which I think is very intriguing. Him going top ten would be awesome. Again, I was telling Jake yesterday, like, how have we been going Gaga over Debo Samuel, and? like talking ourselves into prospects like Antonio Gibson and shit. But then a guy like Bijan comes around and it's like, nah, he's dropping to the late first. That's absurd. I just don't, it's like, did you watch him though? I understand you, you can get into positional value and all that gets complicated. I'm not saying he's going to be the number one pick. I'm not even saying he's going to be top five, but I'm not sure there's a more dynamic player in this draft in terms of just what they bring to the table. And I mean, Jameer Gibbs isn't that far off. Like, and I that's think... what I wanted to talk about. Jameer Gibbs to go top 31, I think, would be interesting. I'm trying to find if he's on there. They are on to us. It yeah. is not. But that's because they think he's good. Yeah. All right. Running backs over one and a half in round one is plus 300. Um, that's worth a sprinkle. That's totally. If somebody takes a flyer on Gibbs, and that could very realistically happen. Because yeah. again, if. If Bijan wasn't in this class, he, he would be the guy where you'd be like, I don't, yeah, maybe he goes top 20 just because he's so special. I'm just telling you, like, we need to think they're not running backs. You don't need to, you, we can't think of them as we do a conventional running back when we talk about positional value. If they impact the passing game that much as a receiver, you just cannot. Plain and simple. I'm, it's it's different. And if it's like that for Debo, 
it can't be that skewed for Bijan. Like, it, that just doesn't make sense. C-Mac, who has a long injury history, they just traded a bunch of picks for him. Like, I'm telling you, this shit, the NFL doesn't think about it like all us nerds in draft Twitter. Yeah, if I told you Gibbs to go top 31 was plus 300, you'd take that in a heartbeat, right? Oh, yeah, I'd empty the account on it just because yeah. it'd be worth it. So... This is where I love DraftKings and I love this question of we always have that surprise first rounder. Bruce Irving's the one I remember from way back when the West Virginia like spot pass rusher and uh, the Seahawks take him round one. Um, oh, man, there was a pass rusher. out. The Eagles took Marcus Smith, Chip Kelly's final year that like Eagles fans were incensed. Cole Strange was the epic one last year. There's always one dude who it's like, you're the mock simulator you use two days before the draft had this guy available in round five, and he somehow goes at pick 29. Who would that guy be this year? And we didn't have these yesterday, but we have them today. We have top 31 odds from DraftKings Sportsbook to help guide us in this conversation. But using the odds or not, Let's get hot takey. Let's get crazy. Who who would you say? Who would jump out to you, Jay Mike? Well, if you're doing the mock simulator where it's like he he went in the fourth round in this, but he actually ended up going top 20 or top 25 or something. I could see like Luke Musgrave, the Oregon State tight end. Yeah. Just because especially if you had a, a run early where Mayer and Kincaid go, I've talked a lot about, I think, three tight ends as a lock in this first round. And I think yep. there's a, a slight chance you get four. I will say maybe not four tight ends and two running backs. Probably one of those hit would be my guess. One of those teams that needs a, a skill guy will either, you know, take the versatile tight end or take the versatile back. Yeah. But yeah, I would throw Luke Musgrave out there right now. You can get him uh, to go top 31. That's plus 650. I don't think Dang. that's out of the, the world. That's kind of, Crazy. Oh good no, yeah, value. Jameer Gibbs plus three fifty right there. Oh no shit. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So take that instead of the running backs, because you never know. Maybe Bijan falls. Um yeah, so that's a good one. Um Editomia Adebaware, a guy who tested better than Tavon Walker, the Northwestern. Edge rusher, who I love, is plus 155. I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think that even fits this category. I'm just telling you, Keely Ringo plus 195. That seems crazy to me. Um, he's gonna, yeah, he's a he'll be a first round pick. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. Uh, Steve Avia and Osiris Torrance, both hot names. Torrance minus 175, Avia plus 280. I have seen both those guys slip into the end of the first on some mocks. Joe Tithman's minus 125. Um, Blake Freeland, we don't have odds on. I would hammer Blake Freeland. Blake Freeland's truly the answer for me to that question. Like the surprise guy. Um, and then, I, you know, there's some Jonathan Mingo hype, the old Miss wide receiver who looks a little Debo-esque and tested really well. He's a guy I think Peter Schrager mocked at the end of the first. Uh, crazier things have happened. Marvin Mims, the speedster out of Oklahoma. Um, like, I don't, like, you know, 
if you made an argument like, hey, he's not that different from Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers, I'd be like, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I mean, like, look at the teams that are going to be picking at the end of the first round. It's yeah. all types of teams that could use that type of Kansas right. City, Buffalo. Like, you could see any of those teams. Seattle. Yeah, totally. And then I felt like this about Tyreek Woolen, who instead of going being a surprise first rounder, dropped to the fourth last year. But Which Julius, still made no sense because he was a guy all of no. us were like, he, look at his athleticism. It's absurd. His RAS was insane. He was really good at the combine, like, or at the senior bowl. Like, no, none of it made sense. And now he's seen as like, you talk about Seattle's like basically building blocks for that defense of the future. He's like, just a, it's not even a thought like, oh yeah, it's Tyreek Woolen and the rest of them. Like he's their like blue chipper of the future. It's crazy. Anyways, Julius Brents fits that mold. I've seen him mocked at the end of the first. That's Jake's guy, the Kansas State corner. Again, great senior bowl, test out of this world, length for days. And he's perfect for that kind of scheme. He's perfect. And we talk about it all the time. How many of those Seattle defensive disciples are around the league running that? Just like zone scheme guys around the league um, on offense. So those are the dudes that jump out to me. Especially with Woolen just being last year. Like it's a copycat league. It's, oh, Seattle did this and hit it. We can do that too. Let's learn from them. And most of the time you fail trying to copy them, but that's just how it works. Exactly. Um, And then as far as the odds go, like Maisie Smith, I could see him definitely sneaking into round one. DJ Turner's a guy similar to what I just said about Julius Brantz. Like everyone loves Brian Branch out of Alabama. I do too. DJ Turner, though, is the same kind of positional versatility, nickelback, outside, inside, great downhill. But Branch ran a four, five, six. Turner ran a four, two, man. Yeah, was, yeah, it's not even close. Who played for the better defense the last two years? I'm not sure that's all that close either. Like they're both from blue chip programs. They both have that like Buddha Baker, Tyron Matthew type versatility plus 500. That's worth a sprinkle. Oh, that's definitely worth the sprinkle. Um, Darnell Washington plus 100. I, I think that yeah. he could still go in the first round for sure. Yep. Just the fact that you can still get that at plus money, I think is worth sprinkling. Um, I love this yeah. shit, man. That's probably it. Like maybe Hendon Hooker at plus 100 too, because if if he's going to be an early second round quarterback, he's going to be a late first round quarterback because you want that fifth year. So if you think that that's where he's going to go, you might as well just take it and take the value. That's right. Say, Say that a little louder for the back of the class. That's a great point right there. Great point. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's, minus 100 minus 200 to go top 31 by the time the draft actually comes because again it just takes one team one team to trade up and draft him exactly anybody else you want to shout out jalen hyatt plus 250 it seems like his stock Dude. has dipped amongst some of these other guys and i don't really get why i'm so glad you brought that up i mean it's a it's he's the reigning belendikoff award winner and speed kills like i i heard the scathing like couple anonymous quotes from scouts about him. Like he's not even the best wide receiver on his team and he's not complete. He's a complete one trick. People pony, used to say crap no like that physical. about Justin Jefferson too. And then it's like, guess what? He's the best athlete on the field. Throw it up and he's going to go get it. I mean, and look, the thing about Hyatt is 
he is a one-trick pony. All of that's valid, but one-trick ponies, when that your one trick is speed, that matters. It's like a guy who's a one-trick pony and he's a three-point shooter in the NBA draft. Those guys go really high because it changes the whole spacing equation of your offense. It's okay for that to be a one-trick pony because it's going to open space and free up everyone else. Um, so he kills a yeah. one-trick pony. That trick is really amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, he's a cheat code. Um, and again, like, Will Fuller went top 20 and had injury history and way worse hands. He's just, he's produced. It's not like he's one of these, oh, it's John Ross, you know, coming out, who we know he runs fast and his 40 at the combine was great, but we haven't really seen him produce on a consistent basis. And the biggest stage, like, he was their offense. And, and I know that the season sizzled out and that was due to injuries but like the problem is the offense itself there's just it's such a good offense he's like running free and shit and that's i mean it it does make the evaluation hard we talked about the same thing with it's it's a weird spot but i'll say this one of those guys is gonna go first round and they're both at plus money right now so hyatt and who else and hendon hooker Neither of them go first round. That'd be pretty surprising to me. It's not a bad point. It's not a bad point. Um, yeah, like I like guys like that way more than like BJ Ojolari to me it makes no sense. It's a deep edge class. He's completely length deficient. And the value is um, not good enough there to chase no. it. Dude, Cam Smith remains my top corner. I don't, I I really don't know what happened. He ran a 4-4 and like, I thought he was kind of a consensus top corner and I wasn't on an island, but getting him at plus 400 is crazy to me. Like, insane. Him at plus 400 and DJ Turner at plus 500 have me, like, what are we missing? What are we not seeing? I don't, I mean, Cam Smith, especially, is that's a top 10 prospect in this entire class for me at a premium position. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm missing, but you know, that's, that's fine by me. I'm, but so getting at plus 400, that's awesome. And there's a lot of good value on these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm so hyped this came out because I was thinking of this idea last night and then I was like, ah, shit, we still don't have those props. And, just a gift from the DraftKings gods. That's a tough gift from the DraftKings gods. Um, gift from the DraftKings gods. It's like a tongue twister <laughs> yes, you do before you do like a skull play or something. It, it is. It is. Um, so there you go. Awesome, man. Shout out to the homies over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes. Shout out to all of you for supporting our content year round. Hell yeah. Um, we love doing this stuff. So we're really appreciative of you guys for you know, being an audience and allowing us to get all of our most nerdy thoughts out on record. And actually this podcast does really, really well. So there's a ton of nerds out there. It seems like shout out to all of you. We'll be back with all kinds of draft coverage. Make sure you're following the Broncos guys, spring ball coverage this weekend from me and Jake nuggets and abs rapids, uh, big drive golf. We've got everything going on right now. Shout out DMVR sports. Much love y'all. Peace. Skinny looking
Asian kid with the cup khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. But water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly.